Hi, everyone. Welcome to Extra Help with Inside Schools. I'm Tom Liam Lynch. The pandemic is wreaking havoc on New York City schools. The chancellor recently signaled that schools might not open as usual, which probably means continued remote learning and alternative scheduling models come fall. We can also see in the headlines, too, that there are some significant budget cuts on the horizon. So with so many unknowns, how can schools ensure that a high-quality and equitable education is available to all students? Well, from my perspective, I think one of the key moves is for the city to establish a virtual school. Allow me to share what a virtual school is and why it would be essential. So what is a virtual school and how is it different from what we're seeing now? Well, there's a, there's a few key things to understand. So one is that a virtual school means that the curriculum, the instruction, and the assessments are all designed in advance to be implemented or to be um, executed in an actual remote learning environment. And what we're seeing now is the use of especially platforms like Google Meets. You have Google Classroom as well. Um, there was Zoom there for a while. And while these tools are incredible um, for you know for using in traditional classrooms they're not actually like a a fully like virtual learning environment or remote learning environment if you think more of like popular products out there like Coursera as an example of like a what's called a learning management system in the industry so when you have a course that's created for a specific learning management system or a remote learning environment um, it just means that you're able to put together like the content and the assignments in ways that allows an instructor to really track and support the student throughout their their learning. When you're in a uh, when you're in a system like Google Classroom, which again has phenomenal uses as a complement to face-to-face instruction, it's actually not created to provide that same kind of um, learning environment feel. That same kind of ability for like a teacher to be able to see, you know, who, you know who's completed these activities and who's doing these ones now. Who has submitted these assignments? Who do I need to send a communication to? Like all of those um, functionalities are kind of baked into a learning management system. So it means that the the quality of the ways in which a teacher can support students, the clarity of, of what students see and knowing what's due next, like all of that is is kind of is, is part of what a remote learning environment is created to do. And while there are some elements of that in something like Google Classroom, that isn't primarily how it was designed. Like as an instructor, for example, it's not super easy for me to generate a report that tells me, you know, where all my students are in terms of, you know, completing certain readings or activities or assignments. It isn't super easy there for me to say, um, you know, I just I want to send automatic updates to automatic little nudges to students who might be behind in completing the work for this week. Um, all of those things are come out of the box with a traditional learning management um, system. So, you know, a virtual uh, school would use one centralized learning management system. Um, and it would be available to students citywide. So the goal here is not to create a you know virtu- a system of virtual schools plural. The purpose is to have one centralized virtual school. And there's a few different reasons that um, that I think that this this actually makes a great deal of sense, especially for what we're seeing coming um, down the pike. Um, What do I mean by coming down the pike? Well, aside from the chancellor signaling that, you know, there's a 50-50 chance that schools will return to usual 
business come the fall we also have the governor starting to signal that you know they need that he's starting to um find a real need to quote-unquote reimagine the digital future of education in New York State and looking at technologies in particular. He signed on the Gates Foundation to help guide some of that work. There's also a document uh, that I, I think I talked about on a previous episode from UNESCO, which just shows that like schools who are dealing, school systems that are dealing with um, post-pandemic um, realities have to come up with very creative solutions because you don't know if there will be a resurgence and students will be out of school. You don't know if parents will be comfortable sending their children to school. The fact is, there's going to be a remote learning component. And if that's the case, then we really have to think about what does it mean to have high quality remote learning and, and to do so in a way that's equitable and available to all students. So there's four things that I would kind of point out here um, related to this. The first is that asking all educators to teach both traditional and remote classes in the future is just not realistic or sustainable. It, it takes an awful lot to translate curriculum that was designed to be offline to be done online. Like it takes a lot of a specialized work. There are people whose full-time jobs um, is to be a curriculum designer. There are people whose full-time jobs is to be an instructional designer for like learning for online courses and things like that. And you can have teachers who do really, really well in face-to-face and don't do so well in an online class. And they have, and you can have the reverse too. You can have the inverse of that as well. So, you know, there, we cannot expect the teaching force to simply be able to teach online well. What we can do is we can acknowledge that and we can identify dedicated teachers who will be upskilled in terms of teaching remotely 100% of the time. Um, in addition, one of the things to also consider is that if, if you leave remote learning to local schools and districts, it's too challenging to monitor the quality of learning and teaching at all. Um, and you can't, you certainly can't do that uh, efficiently and you can't offer professional development officially because everybody's doing their own thing. And we're seeing this now in schools throughout the city. It isn't to say that teachers aren't trying their best. It isn't to say that there aren't some bright spots where, you know, there's this teacher here or there who's doing phenomenal work. It isn't to say that there aren't students who don't prefer or like what's going on and all of that kind of thing. What it is to say is that if we are actually going to um, acknowledge that this that remote learning is going to become part of what we do in the New York City public school system, then it means that we have to have meaningful, efficient ways to to ensure that there is accountability and that we can centralize resources and oversight in a way to efficiently set up a system that can scale and that can sustain over time. Okay, third, that additional pandemic outbreaks or resurgence will create scenarios for sure, as I alluded to earlier, that where groups of students have to miss work um, for weeks or months at a time. And if you have an instruct, if you have a virtual school, you have a safety net always ready to go. Um, so rather than forcing schools and districts to react to crises, to do this kind of like triage pedagogy that, that you see kind of happening now, the city can actually proactively stand up an ongoing solution. That's like, that's always there. Um, I should also note as an aside that this applies not just to students who are coping with the pandemic, but it also applies um, to students who might have other forms of interrupted learning, like suspensions, like safety transfers, medical leaves, and so on and so on. So there's there's a lot of different uses for it that um, apply to the pandemic realities, but that also that also address just ongoing realities um, of the New York City public school system. Fourth, um, a citywide virtual school would obviously would help students who might have interrupted learning, yes, but it also has a broader reach than that. 
you could actually make courses available to students throughout the city um, that they wouldn't have an, uh, any option to enroll in otherwise. So if you have a student, uh, let's say you have a you know an 11th grade student at a you know school in you know in northern Manhattan or the South Bronx or you know you can pick pick your region. And let's say that they want to take a course in AP computer science because they've heard about computer science, they engaged in computer science for all, and they were like, oh, that sounds really interesting. But their school doesn't have the teacher or the school doesn't have enough students to enroll and, and enroll in an entire class. Um, that student could actually have access to an online uh, AP computer science course that is overseen by a remote learning trained teacher. And that could happen at scale, not just for AP courses. It could also happen for foreign language courses. It could happen for hard to enroll electives. It could happen for credit recovery courses. You could um, you could also have courses that are offered through a centralized virtual school that focuses on like how to apply to college. All of these things become again centrally administered and funded and overseen so that there is high quality, so that the system learns about the model that works. Um, and so that over time, it, you know, over time, it could make sense then to start involving more directly local schools and districts. There could be a world where like a district, each district, you know, takes a course that they want to create for the city and they create it centrally. They put their stamp on it, but then it's made available to all schools throughout the system. So something like uh, the New York City Virtual School, I think, is going to be absolutely imperative. And what I would also underscore is that there's there's political will and there are resources available. So on the political front, we can you know we can see now that the city's learning what some of the major gaps are with its technology infrastructure, but they've also just taken the step of ensuring all students within the city have devices and access. That's huge. So never before in the city's history, to my knowledge, have has have all communities and families actually been prepared for something like this. Um, we also see from the governor signaling the, the partnership with the Gates Foundation that there is there is a lot of interest in this idea of, as he even, he even worded it, like a virtual classroom and other kinds of creative uses of technology in schools. So that's like on the political will front. Now, on the on the infrastructural front, and I've, I've talked about this in other podcast episodes as well, that there's already a program within the New York City Public Schools called I Learn NYC, and they have been at this for years. I used to be the director of implementation for them. They have there is a centralized learning management system that is already already integrated with with DOE systems that has catalogs of online courses. Um, for middle school and high school, elementary could be procured relatively, um, relatively reasonably. Um, and there are there are actually teams of people and teachers who have worked with iLearn for years, meaning you already have a knowledge base within the system to just to build upon. In addition, there, the teachers union, the UFT, um, has already approved of a pilot that's going on right now that's training full time remote teachers. So the, the point is like it, it what seems like a pipe dream at first like isn't the resources are all actually right there <laughs> they're 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 all in place um, and there's there are an awful lot of reasons for um, for school officials and for families to start thinking about like you know what if it isn't just this kind of remote learning triage like what what if what what could it mean if we're actually able to do this well? If my child has an ailment and they need to be out of they need to be out of school for two months, maybe they don't have to lose all instruction. There are creative other ways that this could this could look, and more more of the resources and the pieces are actually there on the table to put together um, than one might think. 
I'll also just emphasize um, from uh, from a pod a number of weeks ago, and even a couple of months ago now, that the city also needs to establish a deputy chancellor of digital learning to oversee just all of this, to, to oversee the use of technology for instructional purposes throughout the city. And the New York City Virtual School should, you know, should obviously um, be one of the one of the key programs within that deputy chancellor's portfolio. Um, and while I, you know, there's a lot of applause, I think that that the city merits in terms of their focus on providing um, nutritional uh, resources in the forms of food, and also to ensuring that there was device distribution and, uh, and internet access. Those were all huge Herculean lifts and they're to be applauded for it. Um, we now got to start, we have to start moving the, con- the conversation toward the quality of digital learning that's taking place. And in order to do that, you need somebody with expertise in this area. You need somebody who um, has experience working with schools and online learning and who has the authority um, to make decisions in terms of what's going to be prioritized and how it's going to roll out. And that person has to be on par on an organizational chart with other senior leaders um, so that the work is taken seriously and isn't treated as, you know, a second class citizen um, when it comes to decision making um, at the highest levels of the city school system. Well, that was a lot, (laughs) wasn't it? Um, Before I go, I'd like to share an update on our programming. So starting next week, we're going to dial down to about one episode per week. Um, And the reason for that is because we think it's going to help us put more time into single episodes, especially inviting on others to share their experiences, perspectives and expertise. Um, When we have what we've seen in like the way in in the feedback we've gotten from users and from analytics is like we can see that the episodes that involve bringing voices in, not just me going on and on, um, though maybe maybe some of you really like that. But the, the episodes that bring in those voices are the ones that get the greatest traction and engagement and seem to have the most value add. The trick is that those kinds of episodes take, we're a small team here at Inside Schools, it takes it takes a lot of work actually to edit that kind of thing together and to put it together pretty well. Um, and so what we're what we're choosing to do here is we're gonna say, all right, um, you know, let's bring it, let's dial it down to one episode a week and let's try to really bring on more guests um, so that we can, you know, we can put some time into what we think will be even higher quality podcasts. Um, so we'd love to hear your feedback. If you think that that's a fantastic idea, if you think that's a mistake, you can let us know um, via social media. Um, but that's that's all for this episode. Our engagement, as I was just suggesting, does not have to stop here. As always, you can let us know at InsideSchools.org. Um, you can where find independent reviews there, of course, of the city schools, and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. Um, we're also very active on Facebook and on Twitter, both of which have been getting lots and lots more engagement, actually, in the last couple of months. Um, and you can leave us a voicemail now um, on our podcast homepage. So if you have a question um, that you'd like to ask and you'd like me to respond or you'd like me to find someone who can, you can just um, go to our podcast homepage and um, there's a little link right there in the show notes as well, I believe. And you can uh, send us a question. Finally, please consider subscribing to this podcast if you don't already. Share it with a friend. um, And if the spirit moves you, leave us feedback. It means a lot. Until next time, I'm Tom Liam Lynch, and I'll see you online.